This is episode 3350 of the Survival Podcast, and I'm calling today's episode The Mutating of Society Continues. Why mutating? Um, So there's multiple ways you can cause mutation in an organism or a group of organisms. And one is that they can have a genetic mutation upon birth, and if that's handed down. Another is like an actual mutation created by something like radiological waste or something like that. It can cause mutations they pass on. Or there can be like, what I'm really talking about today, more like a pseudo-mutation. In other words, the organisms by environmental stress or other factors can begin to not behave like the organism is supposed to behave, effectively creating a mutation. And that's what I feel has happened to society. It's literally been mutated. Humans are not behaving like humans at all. Now, I think we can say this has been the case for about the last hundred years to a large degree, but it has accelerated rapidly, and you can look at many instances of things that are irrational, illogical, non-human-like behavior, and you can watch it all take off in the world-famous year of 1971 which, of course, is when we went to full fiat monetary systems. And I will tell you that if you examine uh, history, you will find that societies tend to degrade uh, morally and intellectually as soon as the society goes to a full fiat system. It happens every single time. It's happened every single time throughout history. We're not really going to talk about that aspect of it today. We're just going to talk about what's going on and how irrational and insane that the world has become because – not only has it become irrational and saying it feels to me like that's accelerating. And I'll show you with the like my claim about insanity. I'm going to show you the last the last anchor story today in a graph that that claim is absolutely 100 percent accurate. Like there's there's nothing about that claim that's inaccurate. Of course, now I'm looking and wondering if I'm going to have to track that story down uh, live stream and all right now because it looks like I closed that tab and that's really important. I want to make sure that I get that. So yes, if I sound like I'm stalling right now, it's exactly what I'm doing as I try to take care of this issue. Um, But what are we going to talk about today? Again, the insanity that is I'm describing today is a mutation uh, in society. And uh, just the, the pure lack of mental health in our society today and what's behind it and some of the symptoms that the society is really sick. We're going to talk a little bit about our military readiness being crap and people saying out loud now that maybe we need a draft. We need to to reestablish a draft and what that would mean in a society like ours. And would it even matter given what percentage of our young people are suitable for military service right now? Depending on who you listen to, it's one in four to one in five. So 20, 20 to 25% are even suitable for service age 18 to 26, which is kind of your primary entry-level military age. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that sub-Saharan Africa is kind of going batshit right now and how it's a place we don't think about, but we utilize the crap out of it, especially countries like France, and how they're kind of cozying up with Russia. I'm going to talk about the, the, the Trump latest indictment very, very briefly. 
I have never been a big defender of Trump. Um, I think I said at one point that if I had to vote between Trump and Hillary or Trump and uh, Bernie Sanders, when we were unsure how the left side of that equation was going to work out, I might shoot myself before I pushed a button. However, I will defend a person from a dishonest attack, especially if that dishonest attack can be used on others like me or you. And so I am going to explain to you why I think this latest indictment about January 6th is literally an attack on free speech and how dangerous that is. And why there's a lot of people saying, well, that since that's what it is, it'll never he'll never get a conviction. I don't think so. I think it's highly probable that they can get a conviction on this. This is a, a mess. Portland. Uh, there's an article out about Portland and uh, we're going to talk about that. It's dying figuratively, literally and financially. And why Portland's just a, a great example of what's happening to a good two dozen of formerly great cities in this country. And, you know, while all this crap's going on, we've got Biden wanting to ban archery programs in school under the banner of gun control because priorities and banning light bulbs because that's really important. Um, and again, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff I'm going to cover today, but we're also going to kind of wrap up with what are the rates of mental illness look like in this country? And what are the primary age groups that have this massive growth in the last 15 years of mental illness? And what does that what does that say about these mental illness? Is it actually mental illness or is it a pseudo mental illness? We're going to talk about all of this and more. I will remind you real quick, guys, when I am alone, if you have talking points or questions for me, you should put the word question in all caps. If you're in the live stream, followed by your question, that will make sure that I'm able to see it because I do have one eye only that actually works. And I'm here solo today. All right. Before we get into all this stuff, Let's start off with reminding you about our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is KnifeKits.com. Long-term sponsor. How long? I'm going to say about 14 years. They were one of the first sponsors we picked up. We were about a year into the show before I took sponsors. They've never even talked about leaving us, ever. And so you're talking 14 years in the world of podcasting. Great company, great product, lots of cool stuff, too. Beyond just basic knife kits. They have all the stuff you need to build awesome knives and awesome other stuff like Kydex to make holsters, leather to make holsters for leather work, etc. Check them out today, knifekits.com, and they do give a discount to members of the MSB. Next up today, the Self-Reliance Festival. The awesome Nicole Sauce is running this again along with John Willis. Camden, Tennessee, October 14 and 15. I will be there. Check it out. See about getting your tickets. There's links in the audio notes today that will go up. A little bit after the live version ends, but you can go straight to uh, SRF right now and get your tickets and find out about them. Even in the live stream down there in the bottom of the video notes, I uh, have links to those for you. I, in fact, will be there. You'll get to meet me. You'll get to meet John Willis. you get to meet Nicole Sauce. Uh, you get to meet a ton of other really cool people. Definitely consider coming on out to Camden, uh, Tennessee for the Self-Reliance Festival. And I encourage you highly to take a look at the VIP passes as well because there's some real cool perks in the VIP passes. All right, so let's lead off with, I found this really interesting. We need a, li a limited military draft, and this is on military.com. So this is on a legitimate site. This isn't just some random blogger posting something to Substack or something like that. I can tell you that in checking with some of the contacts that I have, 
there is a real consideration of this right now. It's not far along, but I'm saying the people that can make it happen are, are talking about it behind closed doors. Do we need to do this? There have been a series of congressional inquiries into military readiness, which I'll talk about more in a second, along with the military failing to meet its recruiting goals by the, in the numbers being in the tens of thousands. Of all the branches of the military, the only military branch that met its recruiting goals in the last calendar year was the Marine Corps. And I'll tell you why. The reason that the Marine Corps met its recruiting goals is two, two, two primary things. They are seen as the least woke by the people that want to go in and actually be in the military. And two, they're the smallest branch of service, so they need the least body count to meet the recruiting requirements. Okay? Um, but I want to talk about this from a different angle. Right now, we have all of these young people out here who are chanting stupid shit like I stand with Ukraine. Um, they, they have become the most compliant young generation in history as to complying with the media and the government. I find this to be very disturbing in of itself. It has traditionally been, you know, your teenagers up to your 30-year-olds that were most resistant to the, the, the message of authority and conformity from government and media. They are now the most compliant group out of all the groups. Now, that is a complete reversal of what I would consider a natural order. It is highly natural and beneficial to a society that youth tend to rebel against the conservative nature of the older elements of society. You might think that's a bad thing if you are deeply rooted in conventional thinking. I understand why you feel that way, but, but here's what generally happens. Young people come into this, this world of, of young adulthood. They look at the landscape with a limited wisdom. I didn't say limited intelligence because intelligence is individual. Wisdom is something that's more based on experience. So with limited wisdom, with limited work ethics, with limited work input, they, they tend to look at things quite naively, and so they attack. But as long as they move into society and become productive, get a job, start paying bills, get married, build a family, you know, all those things, by the time they hit their 30s, a big dose of reality sets in to, oh, that's why we do things this way, or that's why this can't just be easily fixed. Or, no, I don't think it's so fair to take rich people's money now that I realize as a middle-income person, they consider me rich and they want my money. And the, the benefit to this, though, is that societies do need to be challenged. They do need to be challenged in things that are entrenched and hold things back from moving forward. We call that progress, though I'm afraid to use the word because I don't mean progressive as in a progressive agenda. But what ends up happening is that young generation inches society a little bit forward as they learn to adapt to reality and having each young generation push us a little bit, but yet be restrained by common sense and then integrate into kind of the next generation of leadership has been very, very beneficial to society. So what happens when you take that young generation and turn them into a bunch of non-rebellious conformists that do whatever the TV says? Well, you lose that. You lose that and you end up in a world where since young people aren't behaving the way that they should, they go into depravity, they go into depression, they go into mental illness, and society itself has massive problems. 
And I'll tell you what, I hate this idea on, on the surface. As someone who believes in complete and total liberty, the idea that anybody could be told, thou shall serve in this capacity and thou shalt do it because I have said so and decreed it from the highest levels of government. You are now an indentured servant for a year, two, three years. And I, I think that it's important when we have this discussion that people realize that's what we're saying. The, the draft is a form of indentured servitude. In other words, slavery light. Honestly, when you go in the military, even though you do it voluntarily in an all-volunteer force, you basically submit yourself to a period. You enter into a contract of indentured servitude. If I take a job working for a pharmaceutical company or a company that, that I don't know, makes dog food, go work for Purina or something, and I decide I hate it, then I just quit. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Bye-bye. Right? Try quitting the military. You go to a place called the stockade, and they prosecute you under criminal penalty under UCMJ. It's Uniform Code of Military Justice. If you're told to do something that's considered lawful by someone that outranks you, you have to do it, including you're not going anywhere for a couple of weeks because I decided that every night we're going to clean the barracks, something that mundane, to, oh, no, you pulled guard duty. What are you guarding? It doesn't matter. Whatever the hell we tell you to. I've seen guard duty that was in really important places to have guards, and I've seen guard duties that are just like, why are we doing this stupid shit? We used to have a guard duty in Panama when we guarded the firing range the only thing out there to protect were the pop-up targets that nobody wanted. It was dumb, but you had to do it. I think it would be an interesting thing. I'm not saying I'm pro this, but I think it would be an interesting thing to see how this would change the mindset of young Americans. In other words, once that shit becomes real, once that shit might mean you, maybe it's not so easy to rah-rah all this nonsense. Because what we have in society today, and this is part of our clinical illness, I would call it, or mutation, is this concept that if something makes me feel good, but I don't have to sacrifice anything or pay for it, then I'm for it with zero thought before making a statement, adding a little icon to your freaking social media profile and thinking you're helping like Ralphie, I'm helping on The Simpsons. But the minute this became real to these people, and I'm going to tell you, most of them wouldn't have to worry because they wouldn't qualify for service anyway. And I'm sure this would only apply to men, because that makes sense. There's no difference between men and women. There's 8,000 genders. I wonder how many men would suddenly identify as women to avoid draft, right? So dudes like Jack and all in good shape and all, and like hanging out with chicks and all, and just because I identify as a woman and I'm a lesbian, so I can't serve. So maybe they have to open the draft up to include females. But I do think it would be an interesting thing to see. Again, I'm not pro it, but on some levels, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Like these these people who would be affected by it are the ones most calling on government to do shit. Now, there's a report out. I have links to everything I'm showing on the screen today. If you're listening to audio and you want to know more, you can look it up. But right now, the latest report out on military readiness is not good. Um, we scored a 5 out of 16 on mission capability readiness between 2017 and 2021. While we're provoking two of the strongest nuclear powers in the world at 
the same time, this is our military readiness. What you'll find if you read into all of this is that they're saying, again, the quiet part out loud and in print where it can't be misunderstood at this point. And that is that the last 20 years of fighting two pointless wars, which we lost by every measure of the word, win or lose, has negatively impacted our military readiness. In fact, what they're saying is 20 years of blowing shit up in Afghanistan and Iraq has made our military less lethal, less well-staffed, less well-equipped, and less well-prepared. Now, if this country is going to continue, to, and some of you won't like the way I'm going to phrase this, but it's what we do in the world. If the nation is going to continue to swing its dick around in the world, which I don't see us stopping anytime soon, this can't go on. So I think there's a real potential here to see the return of a draft. And I think one of the illusions that a lot of people are under, huge illusions, in, in, and when I say younger, I'm including people my age. Um, I'm including my age in this as well. Uh, I'm a little more informed, I think, than a lot of people my age, because this is what I do. But I think most people think that traditionally military drafts for, for time of war only. In other words, since we have to go to war and people aren't exactly like, yeah, I want to go to war, and we need more personnel during war than we do during peacetime, that drafts are a wartime phenomenon. They're not. They're not. It was very common in the United States to have a draft in peacetime through various periods of shortages in U.S. military personnel headcount. There's a lot of people, I think, out there that, because of maybe they've seen a video or two of Elvis Presley in a dress uniform in a World War II era movie, that Elvis was drafted into the military, if they even know that that happened, uh, during World War II. Well, he, he, he wasn't old enough for that. Elvis was drafted in the 50s, I believe, late 50s, early 60s. Um it had nothing to do with the Korean War. It was post-Korean War and pre-ramp up to the Vietnam War. He was in a tank battalion, served his two years in Germany, and could have got out of it, or could have gotten out of it with kind of a, you're in, but you're just an ambassador thing. And he said, no, I don't want that. So he did his two years. He partied every night, brought his buddy, the colonel, with him to Germany and all, but he did his duty. And so this is not something unprecedented. Now, I believe the last person drafted into the United States military was 1973. So we've been almost 50 years without a draft in this country. And that has led people to believe that it can't happen. Well, if it couldn't happen, we wouldn't still have selective service registration. Okay, but the other thing I want you to understand, again, is what I said earlier. And if you read that report I just had on the screen, you'll find out that this is true. Depending on who you ask, one out of four to one out of five. So, again, 20 to 25 percent of people aged 18 to 26 in the United States right now would be eligible to serve in the military if they wanted to. And the number one things that are preventing them from serving are mental illness and medication for them, because there's certain medications. If you've taken them at all, you can never serve in the military, but they're happy to give your kids those medications. So they'll sit down, shut up and sit straight in school. Or they have mental illnesses that disqualify them. And the number one reason is that they are not physically able to enter service due to weight. 
Weight and fitness prevents them from entering. And we're going to go take the hornet's nest that is Russia and poke it and the swarms of hornet's nests that is China and poke that. Because I've said this before, and a lot of you doubt me, but it's true. China could do massive damage to the United States of America without doing anything with its military. Massive damage. Economically and supply-wise. They can literally grind a huge portion of this country to a halt. They can screw up our medical system. They can screw up a lot of our manufacturing and production. And all they have to do is just not send us stuff. That's it. But we don't even have our military able to meet its recruiting goals. We don't have but 20% to 25% of the country's young people physically capable of military service. And we're going to do this. Now, you have to ask yourself, like, is Jack Spierko so smart that he figured this out and all these people in our government don't know it? That are making these decisions? No. Now, there is a lot of incompetence because of these, you know, I'm going to call them diversity hires uh, by the Biden administration. But a lot of those people, they're just there to get your attention. They're not even really making the decisions. The people making the decisions, they know what they're doing. So you have to ask why. Now, next up, while all this shit's going on, there's a powder keg brewing in Africa. Two or three. I know two definitely. But I think a third one, too, in the last you know week to months, uh, African nations have had coups where the military has deposed the leader. Yeah, it happens all the time in Africa. Yeah, sometimes. But this is different. There is a major undertow of resentment to Europe by sub-Saharan Africa in particular. And this is another thing I think a lot of people do not know. 14 African nations are still using a version of the French franc, even though France doesn't use the franc. They use the frickin' euro. And there's a lot of attempt to explain how this is in the best interest of these countries, and they do it voluntarily, and it doesn't hurt them, and it makes their currency more stable. Because look at Ghana's currency. They had 29% inflation. This currency only had 6% inflation. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to tell you flat out. If you consider yourself a sovereign nation and you don't control your either control your currency completely or use a form of commodity currency that is global in nature. So Bitcoin, gold, silver, those types of things. If you don't have one or the other, either it's the United States dollar in the United States. Right. Or the gold backed dollar or silver backed or whatever. If you don't have one of those. Your nation's not sovereign. Your nation's not sovereign. I'm sorry, it's not. You're under the thumb of the issuer of your money. And France has requirements like whatever amount of money that the country has in foreign holdings, which is all of it since they don't have a native currency, at least half of it needs to be put in reserve in in. You have to keep half your money in France. And that is that several of these nations, and specifically Niger, just had a coup, by the way, are major suppliers of uranium. Not just for weapons, but for energy production. And, and France, who's had the thumb on this the whole time, derives most of their energy today from nuclear power. It's one of the few things that France hasn't lost their mind about. 
And at the same time all this is going on, France is literally under invasion from refugees from this part of Africa who are probably being sent there with intent. There's recently been footage out of France of these riots from these people that you look at and think it's Bakhmut. And this just keeps coming. But don't worry about it. If it was important, they would tell you about it. Now, you also have had at the same time this is going on, again, they're cozying up to Russia. Russia just led this huge summit. They had a massive number of nations show up to it. Our media turns around and tells you, no, they didn't. Of course, that's a lie. They'll say, well, only this many presidents or, you know, premiers showed up. Yeah, but a whole bunch of nations sent like, you know, the equivalent of like our secretary of state or something. It was, you know, it wasn't a home run all around, but it was fairly productive. And now you have Russia basically saying, we see you as equals. Do you trust Russia? Does it matter if I trust anybody? I'm telling you what's happening. And the United States and Europe have maintained a massive amount of thumb on the scale on commerce, business, and resources in Africa. Africa is one of the most resource-rich continents in the world, and we're losing control of that. Now, you might be like, Jack, you're supposed to be for that. If we know what we're doing and we're doing it with intent, I am totally for that. Thinking we can control something when the people in this place have lost their shit with us. And internally, some of these nations have lost their shit on racial divides. I'll show you that later. There's a powder keg there that no one's talking about. All eyes on Ukraine, all eyes on Taiwan and China. And just ignore this. It's not important. It's extremely important. But we don't know about it. We're not going to know about it except our media colluding to pretend something that happened didn't happen. Well, let's keep going. So... I, again, this is not an attempt to defend Donald Trump. But the big news, of course, it's everywhere. And I almost don't want to talk about it, but I feel like we need to in this. Because what I have to say is brief, and it doesn't go into the technicals of it much at all. Mike Pence basically threw Trump under the bus as part of the establishment that he is and said that he was told to choose between the Constitution and Donald Trump. Well, From everything I can see, that's not what happened. What happened was Trump told him, I think you should send the votes from these particular states that we have all this information about fraud in back to be recertified. That's what I want you to do. And Pence said, I'm not going to do it. And Trump said, well, I want you to do it. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much all this is based on. The co-conspirators mentioned in this are primarily legal advisors that say you can approach this legally this way. And the word used in the in the indictment that should never be in any fucking indictment of anybody under any circumstances is the word disinformation. Disinformation is an incredibly subjective, opinionated phrase. In the end, I'm telling you, the orange man is being indicted with severe threats of imprisonment because he expressed his opinion as president to his vice president, and they have deemed it to be a criminal act. Now, you might think, well, that's so above my pay grade, and I don't like Trump, and screw him anyway, and let them all kill each other and throw each other in jail. Maybe you're on the chart we're going to see in the last bullet point, then. I don't know. 
about mental illness. If you can indict a billionaire, former president, current presidential candidate, for expressing an opinion against the establishment and convict him and put him in prison, what chance does a low-level journalist like me have if they decide to come after me? I literally told my wife, if this sticks, not just conviction, but sticks on appeal, we might as well move to freaking Russia somewhere out in the countryside and buy a Dasha. That we would be safer and freer in Putin's, and I'm not a tool Putin, you idiots. That's actually, I'm picking not a great place to go, but it would still be better. That's how wrong this is. And this is, you bet your ass, 100%, because the orange man's running for president. I'm here to tell you, I don't think that they would be prosecuting this dude anywhere for any of this shit if he had decided he'd had enough of politics and went away and uh, went off and retired or went back to playing golf and building hotels or whatever. They're only doing this as a form of political intimidation, right? Absolutely, that is why they're doing it. And while all this lunatic shit's going on, and it, it might sound here like I'm picking on Portland, but the Washington Examiner has an article out today. I highly suggest you read it. And the headline of the article is Portland is dying figuratively, literally, and financially. And I said today it's actually the article's like four days old. Uh, I've been working on this show for quite a while. All right, so the point here is that everything in Portland that could go wrong has gone wrong and been assisted by the people running Portland. It goes into the BLM riots, but it also goes into the history of Portland. But when you look at the balance sheet of the city and you look at the flow of population and you look at people leaving Portland and who's not leaving, who's staying behind, when you look at it that way, everything is actually worse than it seems. It's worse than it seems. And the bigger news in this is that Portland's one of the worst of the big, you know, the once great big cities in America as far as the financials and the immigration uh, and migration out. But this is just it's it's like the canary in the coal mine for every major Democrat run city in the country. And if you think I'm excluding my own you know, cities like Dallas or Austin here in Texas, I'm not. Like the, the, the difference between the way a city, albeit a little bit smaller city, but it's still a major metropolitan area like Fort Worth is run versus Dallas, they're 18 miles apart, is night and day. It's night and day. Fort Worth is a much better run city. It's a much better um, place to live. The tax rates are low. I mean, everything's better in Fort Worth, and it's only that leftist loons don't run Fort Worth. Notice I didn't prop up the people that run Fort Worth. I just said they're not totally nuts. And it turns out that people who are not totally nuts will do a better job running a city than people who are. But this is happening everywhere. And there is a phenomenon that happens when people start leaving places, refugees, right? And that's one way to look at people leaving Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, Atlanta, right? All of these places. One way to look at this is a form of refugees. Now, they're not refugees leaving a war-torn nation begging for something when they get to the other side of it because they have nothing but the clothes on their back. What they are is people who are completely fed up 
migrating within the borders of a republic where they have freedom of movement and saying, the hell with this, I'm going to leave. Now, in our country, it's really easy to do this. You can move your business. You can move your family. You can just buy a new place. You don't have to apply for anything. Being a refugee out of a war-torn area and walking hundreds of miles is hard. So it's easier to do here. But we have learned in time and looking back through history that it tends to be. Now, this has nothing to do with the southern border right now. The southern border is a different type of thing right now. But historically, the people that leave nations as refugees are the productive people. They're the intelligent people. They even have a name for it. It's called a brain drain. And so the nation that's most in need of keeping the people who would be able to fix things in their country ends up losing the very people that are the most important people. And they're usually abused and overtaxed on top of everything else. So they leave. So what do you think's happening in Los Angeles right now? Do you think the most productive, innovative, hardworking, blue-collar millionaire-type people, the backbone of the economy, do you think they're the ones that are staying and the homeless and the parasites and the elites are the ones that are leaving, or do you think it's the other way around? Of course it's the other way around. And the backbone of the tax base of these metropolitan areas are people that make seventy-five dollars to $200,000 a year, and half of those people are on some level or another entrepreneurs. And they're leaving, even if they're not leaving the state, they're leaving cities. And many of them are leaving the state entirely, which means you are now at a point I talk about the black hole economically for the dollar. These cities are in a, like, let's look at them as little black hole clusters. They, they're circling the drain of the toilet and about to go down. Because they, it is unsustainable to continuously have your most productive people leaving. And they're doubling down on stupid. And so you will see what I've been calling the flashpoint cities get worse and worse and worse as we go forward. Um, Again, I encourage you to read that article if you want to know more about the take. Then, you know, I just mentioned our southern border. And I want you to listen to this idiot. I don't remember who she is. She's somebody in uh, New York City Hall, May, uh, deputy mayor. This is the deputy mayor of New York. And she's crying. I, and I mean figuratively, not literally shedding tears. Though so You can see her almost want to break down and cry over this massive travesty of Texas, oh, by the way, Florida's doing it too there, honey, uh, busing illegal migrants to New York City. Now, before I go forward with this, I've heard from some people in kind of the libertarian world and all, I don't believe you're endorsing this. First of all, I don't endorse shit governments do. I report on it and I give my opinion of it based on an observer. It's not an endorsement. But what, what I've heard from the libertarian world is this is kidnapping. It's not kidnapping. It's giving somebody a free ride somewhere. In fact, when this started, since these people didn't think there, we had the wherewithal from these states to keep doing it, they were like, like I remember John Pierre saying, we appreciate the state of Texas giving these people who are free to travel a free ride until they kept coming into places you didn't want. Right. But I want you to listen to this and I want you to take home the fact that over the last 12 month period, about 2.79 million known migrants entered our southern border. 2.79 million. And listen to what Chicky Poo here is upset about, because she's really, really mad. 
lessons from Texas are continuing. They certainly are not what we've, what we've seen uh, you know, a couple of months ago, but I think that's why there's a little disconnect with people like, what is going on in New York City and how is it possible that you're seeing that many people? But, right, I can't make that up. We are seeing 2,300 people a week still coming into New York City seeking shelter. That is so that may have been a little soft on the uh, live. I know sometimes that's the case. I can only do so much to boost uh, audio on when I play something on the live. I can always fix it on the uh, on the audio only version. But she's upset. She's upset that <laughs> there's about twenty three hundred migrants a week being dropped off in New York City. These are people that have declared themselves a sanctuary city. These are the people that tell you there is no border crisis. It doesn't exist. The government has operational control of the border. It's all fine. It's xenophobic. It's racist. It's white supremacist. It's patriarchal. It's all made up. It's a right-wing vast conspiracy theory that there's even a problem where the government itself acknowledges almost 3 million people came in to burden the United States with their needs, but they're inconvenienced by a couple thousand a week. Or a hundred thousand a year is what that would work out to. You know what? Eat a dick and die, bitch. Seriously. Seriously, eat a whole bag of them. This is exactly the neuroses in our society today that's causing all of the types of problems we're talking about. It is great to have all these policies, as long as there's two things that, that, are, that are also true with all these lunatic policies. True thing number one, we don't pay for it, somebody else does. True thing number two, it doesn't directly impact our lives. Like nothing got these people more worked up and brought out all of the heat than when, what, DeSantis sent like 29 of them to Martha's Vineyard? One of the wealthiest places in the world, you know, they got a two-digit number of refugees, and they said, well, it's open. We're here to help you. They threw them in a gym and tossed their ass out with the National Guard within 48 hours. New York City is one of the most populated cities with the most resources and wealth in the country. 100,000 extra people in New York City. Let me tell you something. You won't even notice it. I used to run, I ran a territory that included New York City. Right now, the people that are being added to New York City don't even replace the number who left for COVIDs. There's not a population problem here. It's a reality problem. Oh, these people show up and they want food and shelter and water and jobs, right? They want free stuff and they want work. And we have to do it now? Whoa, 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 whoa. We just said we wanted you to let them in. We didn't say to send them here. This is the mental disconnect. And that's why you have all of these young idiots. And they are idiots. They've been made into idiots. 20-somethings that vote for all this surplus shit. Because in their head, it's a free lunch. They'll never have to pay for it. They'll never have to suffer a consequence for it. I guarantee you, if you just take people who are, let's say, 26 to 35, the ones that have student loan debt are all for student loan forgiveness, and the ones that don't have it are probably mostly opposed to it. Because it's a self-interest thing. And when we start 
leveraging the state for self-interest, we've entered a couple words, socialism and another form of socialism that you've been duped into believing is not socialism, fascism. Fascism is just shiny, violent socialism, where socialism is just dirty, violent socialism. That's it. Like, the whole point of fascism is that it actually operationally works better. I didn't say it's a good thing, because some of you are going to be pounding your keyboards and sending me stupid, hateful emails now. You're a fascist. I always know. I said economically it works better. And history has proven me correct. Nazi Germany, as evil as they were, were incredibly financially successful, even while fighting a war. The Soviet Union, at a time of relative peace, went bankrupt. Fascism works better than socialism. And that's why almost every nation state of significance on the planet, since they're all authoritarian anyway, have adopted a form of fascism. This is a fascist state you live in if you live in America right now. Fascism is where we have private industry corrupted with government agency working together in a collaborative state. They call it fancy, pretty words like it's a public-private partnership. I just heard fascism because I know the definition of fascism. Fascism is not Nazi. Nazis were fascists, but not all fascists are Nazis. Okay? Right? All anarchists are libertarians, but not all libertarians are anarchists. It's the same. It's the same but different, man. In the words of Thomas Chong, it's the same but different, man. We live in a fascist society where government and industry work together in collaboration and view the differences between the classes as being leverageable to the advantage of both the state's agenda and industry's agenda. That is the textbook. Economics 101, definition of a fascist economy. If you tell me you don't live in one, you are ill-informed or in denial. It's up to you. So we are exasperating everything with this. But, you know, at least our leaders have their priorities right. At least our leaders, while all this is going on, and we have no military readiness at all, to speak of compared to where this country was 20 years ago with military readiness. And while we have Africa disintegrating into this fragmented series of coups, the Western world being cut off of their primary source of, of, of fissionable material, a proxy war with Russia and an attempt to engage in a proxy war with China, a spy war with China, which we won't even go into today, but check, look it up if you want to see what I mean about that. Well, all this is going on. Joe Biden has acted decisively and swiftly on a true issue that we really need to act on. He has blocked federal funds from schools with archery and hunting programs. So if your school has an archery program, which, my God, how many of us grew up before the world went insane? When you went to summer camp, all the kids went over and played and did archery. We had an archery program in my school. It wasn't even a program. It was part of our gym classes. Like a couple of weeks out of the year when we went out for gym, one of the things we could do was archery. I always did it because I thought it was fun. And hunting programs. Now, this was done under all of the reactionary nonsense our federal government did after Uvalde, Texas. And this is supposed to be to help protect children from mass shootings in schools. Archery? Archery. And do you know what kind of bows 
that you use in an archery program in school. These aren't kids out there with fancy compound bows. These are cheap, straight, long bows, cheap recurves. How much freaking mass shooting do you think goes on with bow and arrows in the United States? The answer is zero. Hunting programs do not involve the use of guns. Hunting does. These hunting programs, I looked into it. What is a hunting program? A hunting program is where a kid at school can take something like a hunter safety course so that they can get a hunting license uh, and go out and go hunting. Some schools have actually kind of brought in the hunter safety course. Now, the other thing is, if you look at where shootings have happened, to a large degree, they have been places where people are not, you know, typically hunters and fishermen and outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, they are generally in places that can be rural or urban, but they're generally in places where the only exposure people have to guns is TV, video games, and, 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 and gang violence. So if we actually educated people to the safe, responsible use of firearms, we'd have a more empowered society with less like to uh, less likelihood to result in bad things happening. But this is important right now. This is really, really important. Man, I'm telling you, we got to do something about guns. So let's ban bow and arrows from schools by holding the federal funds back. Now, the other side of this is where do these federal funds come from? Where do the federal funds come from? So the, the federal government steals the money from the states and gives it back to them through the Department of Education. So you're basically withholding the state's own money because it's chosen to independently run its school district. And I'm telling you, I think that they should just say, screw you, we don't need your money. I think that's what we – and I think states – when states are disbarred from the reception of federal funds, then states should withhold money to the federal government. I think states need to start putting up escrow accounts and, and receiving federal due uh, money on behalf of their state citizenry and saying you can't prosecute this, this person. They, they paid their taxes, but if you want the money, then you have to stop extorting us and not giving us our own money back. Because most of these giant federal departments like Department of Energy, Department of Education, the FDA, et cetera, they are all replicants of things that states already are capable of doing for themselves. And they steal money to create control at a federal national level. That's what they are. We don't need an FDA. We don't need I know that sounds insane. We don't need an FDA and we'd be far better off without one. States have more than enough capability to make sure you're not eating poison off of a floor. But instead, we create this illusion of need. And all these giant federal departments, if you go back and look at their history, they started off itty-bitty tiny. Oh, this is just a help. It's just a help. They grow. They make their money by enforcing regulation. They end up with main industry, huge players in industry, basically taking lay, as a lay-down fines. And then it turns into regulatory capture across time to where, do you know who runs the, the FDA, right? The federal, do you know who runs the regulatory body for pharmaceuticals in our country? Well, the pharmaceutical industry does. Do you know who runs the EPA? The largest polluters of the environment run the EPA. We, I'm telling you, big pharma and big 
food run the FDA. And the only way states can start to fight back is start to say, hey, you know what? If you're going to do this shit, we're not going to give you money anymore. And that won't happen. That's a pipe dream. I'm just saying that's what I would do if it was me. Uh, next up. <laughs> while all this is going on, that's going to be a common phrase today. While all this shit's going on, the EU and the United States are very angry with Russia for another reason. Do you know what that bastard Putin did now? This is horrible. This is a war crime. He should literally be drawn and quartered slowly with, like, come-alongs instead of horses. So you can slowly pull for this horrible crime. Russia has given for free metric shit tons of wheat to the poorest nations in Africa. And Russia has agreed beyond the free grain to sell a metric shit ton more at below market value to help the situation in Africa. Now, I'm sure people say that's just him you know, adding to the fire in Africa because it's bad for us. Probably. But <laughs> the, the West is pissed. I mean, you think he was like clubbing orphans with baby seals or something. They're very upset. They said this is going to make Africa dependent on Russia. So we haven't spent the last hundred years of neocolonialism making Africa dependent on the West, right? You know, there's a little gaslighting going on here. But is it really a horrible crime to give people food who are hungry? Is that awful? And as far as dependence, right? These are the, these nations that are upset, the EU and the United States, are the biggest welfare states that ever existed. Ring, ring, pot, the kettle's online too for you. What are we doing to all these people that we're constantly doling out welfare programs to, including this invasion force that we call illegal immigration? Building dependence, because we like dependence. Don't you, this is what they're really saying is, hey, you guys don't get to do that. That's our thing. You're playing in our playground. That's the place we control now. But how have we been doing it? Have we been giving them cheap and free grain? No, we've been giving them chemical potions from Bill Gates, a bunch of NGO bullshit. And as far as feeding yourself, you know what? Screw it. You guys don't need agriculture. It's too hard where you live. You need to buy grain. And where you can grow it, you need to buy GMO seed and chemicals so you can produce. Well, we can't afford it. That's okay, right? Right? That's okay. We'll loan you money at usurious rates. So we have been creating dependence by continuously making loans to these nations that they can never pay back and getting them deeper and deeper and deeper like an evil banker in a game of maniacal freaking monopoly. So, of course, we're pissed. Of course, we're pissed that Russia gave them free food and they don't have to borrow our money to get their hands on it. Now. I'm going to go somewhere that some of you are going to get a little with Jack here about racial violence and the consequences of creating an environment where an individual group is held out as being inherently bad and evil. And that's what's happened to white people, especially males who aren't, you know, LGBTQ, blah, blah, whatever the hell it is in the United States. There is a massive anti-white sentiment being built up to where even a large number of white people are becoming self-loathing. Again, we'll take a look at one slide at the end that will show you the mental illness increase in our young people. And there's your answer to why. But what does it look like when it goes on for a few decades 
and it's been allowed in the open, what does it look like? It looks like this, and I'm going to have to explain to those that can't see it or maybe even won't be able to really hear it very well what they're saying. Kill the boar. Kill the white farmer. Okay, the boars in South Africa are the, the Dutch people that go back to Dutch settlement times and British settlement times, really, too, who are white. This is at a giant freaking um, like stadium. And this is this is happening in public right now in South Africa. Shoot to kill the mother, kill the poor, the farmer, kill the poor, the farmer. Brr, pa, pa, brr, pa, pa. Attention. Okay, for those that are on the audio only, that's happening in a massive, looks like a soccer stadium. Tens of thousands of people cheering to kill the white people in South Africa in public, in the open. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that'll never happen here. How long do you think you can continue to tell a society this one group of people is the cause of all your problems before that's exactly what you get? Before, that's exactly what you get. Now, the difference in this country is, yeah, you're talking about the most armed and willing to defend it group in defend itself group in the country. I get that. It doesn't mean it's not a bloodbath. It doesn't mean it's not awful. And it doesn't mean we don't end up into a place where when somebody's trying to kill you because of who you are, that law enforcement can do nothing for you, but can do plenty to you for defending yourself. And tell me that can't happen, and I'll remind you about Kyle Rittenhouse. I'll remind you about a far more clear-cut case, in my opinion, the, 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 the husband and wife in St. Louis during the BLM riots that stood on their own property and pointed guns at people who were threatening to destroy their property and didn't shoot anybody, didn't fire anything, didn't kill anybody, and they were viciously politically prosecuted. And then... If you look at that and say, well, that's bad, but it's not what we just heard and saw going on, well, that's how it starts. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you this is where we end up. I am guaranteeing you this is the path that we're on, and this is the destination we're headed to. How fast we get there, do we get there, does it look like something else, that's all debatable. But if everything stays the way it is right now, is that where we're going? That's where we're going. And... Everybody's rewriting history, including our friend, the orange man. So this isn't pro-DeSantis, and this isn't anti-Trump. This is what I always try to do, what I'm about to share with you right now, pro-the truth. And some things are subjective, and some things are objective. This is objectively a lie from the orange man himself at real Donald Trump on his own platform, Truth Social. This is what he says. Great job on Fox News by Garrett Ventry in explaining my big lead over Ron DeSanctimonious. I'm going to pause there a second. If you feel the need to call every single person who you perceive as a threat some sort of childish nickname, you are a narcissistic, unserious, bully asshole. 
That's who Trump is when he's doing this. Not because I love Ron, because why is this necessary? You have a 30-point lead. Why do you have to result to childhood name-calling tactics? Because he's an ego-fucking-maniac who can't control himself. And I don't think he shouldn't be president again because all these stupid bullshit indictments. Not at all. I don't think somebody that can't have a reasoned conversation with a political opponent has the mental state necessary to run the most powerful country in the world, for now anyway, and crooked Joe Biden. I guess Trump's lost some of his, his uh, creativity, right? He just took Hillary's name and, and repurposed it. He couldn't come up with a new uh, stupid name for Joe, whatever. He should have called him Brandon. The Sanctus is losing to crooked Joe in virtually every poll. I checked, and that's not true, Okay. It's called real clear politics, Trump. You should look it out. Whereas I'm beating crooked in almost every poll. That is true. That is true. He was also a big Fauci admirer, speaking of DeSantis. What? Trump, who rolled Dr. Neck Scarf and Saint Fauci out conference after conference after conference and never got rid of either one of them, backed warp speed, did everything Fauci decreed, But DeSantis was the big admirer of Fauci. This is rewriting history. And closed up Florida and its beach is good and tight. Okay, that's a lie. How do I know? Because in June of 2020, I went on vacation to my favorite vacation spot, Sanibel Island, Florida, and it looked like spring freaking break. Florida was one of the most open states. There was a point where everybody shut down. Florida was the first to reopen everything. Trump argued with DeSantis about this, saying they opened up too quickly. Texas, like, we ended up calling G- Governor Abbott two weeks behind DeSantis. Because literally everything Ron did, like, two weeks later, Greg did. He's like, let's see if, it, okay, it didn't blow up in his face, I'll do it too. Like a little bitch that he is, because he has no fucking stones to stand up for Texas. He just does what, it, he's, a, he's a wishy-washy politician, Abbott. He's a fair weather wind kind of guy. And he'll look, he wants to look strong by letting somebody else take the risk first. So I know that that is a lie. He is not a Fauci admirer. He's done the most to push back against all this COVID shit. And he didn't lock the state up good and tight. Now he tries to deny that. Well, because it's not true. You're the only one actually claiming this. Amazing how this guy, with the help of Fox, tries so hard to remake history. Wow, so Trump gaslights too. That's not a surprise, is it? Also, in sadly, Florida was the third worst in terms of death due to COVID. Now, if you actually look at the numbers, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's raw deaths, total numbers. That's no age adjustment, and it's no factoring in per 100,000. If you go to uh, World Meter for COVID, you can sort the states and how they performed by deaths per 100,000, which is, you know, based on population. And Florida was like 17 or something. So this is like 95% lies. And the problem is that Trump's supporters will completely swallow this problem and believe it. Govin me harder, daddy. This, this guy has not for a minute backed off of claiming victory for Operation Warp Speed in the, in the clock shot. And Joe says he'll win the primary, but I doubt he can win the general. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the mood of the country at the time. Right now, he is definitely on track to win the primary, and I think it's a damn disaster. 
Because I don't think it matters who wins that general. It's a damn disaster. And I know some of you guys really like a lot of things that Trump did. And to be fair, so do I. But this is not the mindset you want in somebody that has access to nuclear codes. And it will be impossible, impossible to get anything done. If the guy does win, there'll be articles impeachment filed before the inauguration. He's going to try to pardon himself. That's good. like this is just a, a, another mess for the country. Another mess for the country. Um, now, but you know, at least the guy in charge is being a responsible adult. Right after they got done making sure your kids aren't doing archery in school, because that's an existential threat to our children. Now we've also effectively banned incandescent light bulbs. Yep, this was originally passed in 2007 under Bush, by the way, because I believe in not hanging everything on Brandon's neck, but it was untenable. So it didn't really, in in true terms, happen. Obama kind of sort of did it. Trump undid it. Well, Biden, you know, finally after three years got around to executive ordering this through uh, the Department of Energy back in, and it's not actually an incandescent light bulb ban, but it is. How does that work? So what they said is per watt of power, you must have X amount of light. And so the, the, the concept of that is, is if you can build an incandescent light that meets that spec and you can have it's not outlying, outlawing the technology and regulating the technology out. It's regulating performance, which is also how it skates the court system. This would be really hard to actually enforce if you were doing it as a direct ban on a specific technology. Uh, in the current climate anyway, that it would, it would not necessarily not survive a court challenge, but it would be more likely to not survive a court challenge. And so, I mean, I'm just saying, like, isn't it great that our leaders have the priorities of the American people at heart? You've got an epidemic of mental illness we're about to talk about. You've got homeless shitting in the streets. You've got America's greatest cities in total and complete decline, turning into slums and ghettos. You've got law enforcement and military recruiting at all-time lows. You can't even figure out why while you shit on the very people you're tra- – like, we hate you. You're scum if you do this job. Now, please come do this job. I mean, isn't that the message that young – especially young men are getting – you know, your 18-year-old kid out of high school deciding out what to do with his life and a career. Most most cops now have to have college degrees, which is stupid. We don't want you to have an IQ over 110, but you need a degree. You think I'm kidding. Look up what happens when you take a, a, an intelligence exam and submit to become a police officer, and you score like you have a 125 IQ. You know what they say? Sorry, you're too smart. Sorry, you're too smart. The justification is really smart people get bored with law enforcement work and quit after you've invested a lot of money in them. Maybe that's true. But what I just told you is also true. Person with a 120, 125 IQ, not a genius, just smart, doesn't qualify to be a cop in most situations. So you don't want us to be too smart, but you want us to have a degree. And it's okay for people to spit on us, and you want me to join that group And you're going to tell me that they're underpaid, whether you believe they are or not. That's the message. Underpaid, shit on constantly by society. 
not respected, not backed up, do the will of the state and shut your mouth, get paid crap, please join us. What a great recruitment speech. What a great recruitment speech that is, isn't it? And so, you know, while all that's going on, let's ban light bulbs and everything will be okay. This is one of the most disturbing things I've seen, though. And I want you to know, if you're looking at this on a graph, I want you to take note of when this graph ends, early 2020. There is no scamdemic effect in this graph. The graph you're looking at, this is put out by the White House, by the way. Percent of the population with major depressive episodes in the past year by age from the years 2008 to 2020. For those that aren't looking at this, for, for people 25 and under, the graph looks like what you'd very much like your stock portfolio to look like. A continuous climb up, starting at uh, a median average, 12 to 17 and 18 to 25, mirroring each other almost exactly at 8%. And by the year 2020, the number is upwards of 18%. So roughly one in five of our people, 25 to 12, have had, quote, a major depressive episode in the past year. And th- th- this is a whole report. Of course, what it's designed to do is say that we need to spend more money on mental illness. But I I want you to look at something. We go back to 2008, people over 26. The line goes up a little tiny bit between 2019 and 2020. But overall, it's mostly flat. In other words, people that are you know in their 30s plus are not having rising rates of mental health problems. Okay? They're not. It is young people exclusively. They're having this parabolic rate increase of mental health issues. And you can go look up and find more graphs, and it's across the board. It's in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 percent of people under 30 having are considered to have a mental illness. But the number among elderly people or older people is flat and small. And little. The other thing you'll find if you dig deeper, and I did, is that if you look at what I would call honest to God real mental illnesses, such as schizophrenia, okay, across all age boundaries, it's it's a almost flat line for a hundred years as to not total number because population goes up, as to the percentage of the population. Right. If you look at specifically named and defined neuroses, things like that, that like you have like this person is legitimately has like some miswired thing in their brain. That number has not grown. That tells you that there's one of two things going on. The education of our young people is causing them to be mentally ill. Or it's causing pseudo-mental illness. Pick one. Pick one. Here's what I mean by that. The bombardment of negative information, of incorrect information, of illogical information, is either causing these young people to actually become mentally ill on some level. The same way that if you abuse a person long enough, they they will develop a mental illness, like let's say PTSD. 
Oh, by the way, even with all the military stuff that's been going on for 20 years, the percentage of people with defined and diagnosed PTSD is actually relatively flat. Very slight increase across time. Because that's an actual, you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm depressed. I don't feel good. The number one growth of mental illness in young, young people, anxiety. Anxiety. Well, if you had somebody telling you every day that you'll not live to 30 because the ocean's going to boil and you're going to die, and you believe them, you might have anxiety too. Right? If you were being told all of your ills in life are caused by this group of people in your class, that might give you anxiety. If you're the group of people, it would definitely give you anxiety. So either we're actually creating real mental illness in our youth, which is possible, or more likely, our youth are identifying with mental illness intentionally because we've made it cool. We've made it cool to have problems. We've created what I can only define as the oppression Olympics. Being gay is not good enough anymore. Now you need to be a trans gay or something, right? You know, you, you have to take a DNA test to find out that you're 18% Native American, and then you can say you are a homosexual, Native American, trans, trans, gender fluid, binary something, something. Like, so when you have a negative attribute about you now, you're considered more worthy. Now, our young people, who again, at the beginning of the show, I said were traditionally the, the group that pushed us forward, but did so with a modicum of humility as they got older, have now been cut, turned into conformists and made mentally ill. I just have a question. I, I, I just have a question in this. Do you think that's an accident? Would you attribute that to incompetence? Do you think you can get an entire nation singing the same nonsensical bullshit song as far as the people in power and authority and have it be by accident. It just happened. It's just, you know, we kind of lost our way or something. Or do you think there's actually an unseen force driving all this in this direction to an end? To an end. I, I think it's the second one. Why? Because people that want power naturally want more power. And I think if you look at the West as a whole, under a system of prosperity, power grew to its natural limit. All systems have limitations on power. And then they have trade-offs because they have limitations on prosperity. So if you go into a fully oppressive, tyrannical system, you get a lot of control, but very little prosperity. But if you go into a system of very slight controls, you get massive prosperity. And prosperity creates tax revenue. And tax revenue feeds government. And then government with limited power uses its limited power to add a power. And as long as they don't kill prosperity, they keep following that cycle. At some point, things become so bloated and so top-heavy that one can no longer get more power with prosperity. So one has to shut down prosperity to get more power. And you have to understand these people aren't necessarily Americans. And I don't care what their citizenship is. That's not what I mean. When you have so much money that you go wherever you want to, whenever you want to, in the world, 
You don't care if the country that bears your citizenship on its passport goes to complete decay. It doesn't matter. If you can get on your yacht and go wherever it's good in the world, as long as you have more power, you're happy. These people are this maniacal. When you start measuring your wealth in tens of billions of dollars, the consequences of this shit don't matter to you. The benefit to you of them becomes what's of your importance. I believe that the real mental uh, and, and the real mental illness problem we have is among these people. I think there is mentally something wrong with a person who does not reach a point in wealth and power that they say, you know, I, I really don't want to do this any any further. Even if they're happy where they are, like I just don't think I need more money. If it happens, it happens. But I'm not going to go out like. And what I would ask you, what your number is for just the money side, not the power side. Let's say I gave you a million dollars. You know, a hundred years ago, that was a lot of money. Today, it's a lot of money, but it's not. You're probably not going to retire. You're probably going to say, you know, I'm going to do stick this aside. And it's going to let me retire earlier, and I'm going to keep doing whatever I do. Or I'm going to invest it toward, you know, building up so I can retire earlier. If I give you $10 million, if I give you $10 million, most of you are seriously thinking, well, if you have a job, you're probably like, well, I don't have a job anymore. But you're probably going to go do something to try to achieve more in the world. But maybe not. A lot of you are going to go, well, I'm going to go buy myself my place. I'm going to set it up the way I want it. I'm going to live off interest and investment returns. for, And I'm just going to enjoy myself. And if something happens to be, if something happens to produce profit, that's fine. But I, I'm not really worried about it anymore. Okay, how about $100 million? I'm betting 99% of the people that will listen to this show, if I, I wrote you a check free and clear for $100 million, you have no desire for more power, more money for the rest of your life because you are a sane, rational human that realizes, okay, I can spend a million dollars a year for a hundred years and never run out of money, and I ain't gonna live a hundred years from the, from right now. Like this is so much money that even a modicum of a decent, safe return, my grandchildren won't spend it all. There's no need for more wealth. And again, if the things I do end up being beneficial and result in a greater cash flow. Fine, but I'm not seeking it. Okay, so what is what is wired wrong in the brain of a human who think who seeks greater wealth, power, and control that's worth four billion dollars, ten billion dollars, a hundred billion dollars? What's wrong with that person? It's a sickness. Then you need to understand the people that we're talking about that actually pull these strings. You don't know their names. You never see them. They're worth billions, but they control trillions. They control trillions, and they see the earth is full of stupid people, not as smart and sophisticated like they are, that need them. They believe in what they're doing. They believe they're helping you when they oppress you, when they control you, when they tell you you need a permit now to dig a hole to plant a tree within your front yard, which actually is a thing in some places I've checked. They call it an earth disturbance uh, permit. Look it up if you doubt me. This is the sick world we live in. And we have taken uh, two people here are saying things in the crockpot. Broccoli says it's an addiction. And Dennis Lineback says power drunk. You're exactly right. So we have one group of mentally ill, very powerful people that are corrupting the mental state 
of the youngest people in society who have traditionally been their biggest Achilles heel because they push against the status quo. I want you to think about this. If you are 50 years old like I am, how much did you agree with the, no matter what your political ideology is, how much did you agree with your government and the news people and the stogie fogey old parents of yours when you were 15 to 20 years old? The answer is you probably just didn't, even if you didn't know why. Even if you try to rewrite your own personal history, I was always a libertarian or whatever, but you probably didn't go along with the mindset even if you didn't really take the time to intellectually study it. You were like, you just wrote it off. These are old people that don't know what they're talking about. And again, you went out and made your way in the world. The world gave you instantaneous, real feedback. Like, this is easy. Smack. It's somebody else's fault. I don't care it's somebody else's fault. Smack. And eventually you said, oh, shit. No matter whose fault it is, it's my problem. I need to do something about it. But what happens when you completely obey as a young person? For 15, 20 years, you find yourself in your 30s, childless or paying child support, one or the other. No traditional family unit. You come from a broken family like most people do today in that age bracket. So not only are you either divorced or unmarried, your parents are as well. And you've been told the entire time while you were being good and doing what the government said, it's these people's fault or these people's fault. You're willing to accept anything at that point. That's why they're doing this. And this is the thing. We are coming to the end of the edge of empire. Right now, our control on the rest of the world is falling apart. This is all by design. And we are going to end up in a state of moral, economic decay in this nation that I think most people cannot fathom. And you know who can fathom them at the least, as I've been picking on old people, is people my age and older. Because we remember a different time in America. And we just keep believing that Superman's going to come and fix it. We grew up with Superman. We remember the Superman movie, the first one, where he flew backwards around the earth and switched time back. Fantasy. Comic book. Not reality. This is why my message has been get the hell out of these cities, because that's where it's going to be the worst. There will be a rebuilding. There will be... A morning in America, in the words of Ronald Reagan. But there's going to be a long freaking night first. There's going to be a long freaking night first. And some of us, we may be deader in adult diapers before the night's over. Our kids and our grandchildren are going to be the ones that rebuild this shit. And honest to God, the people that are in power need to die of old age for them to go away. They won't let go. If you look at some of the people that are still in power in the, the lower levels of government, which I consider like the Senate, because the, the highest levels of government is not the executive branch of the United States. It's the freaking people that own the banks that tell the government what to do. Okay? But we can see a mirror of them in the Senate, in the House. Look at Feinstein. She looks like a freaking crypt, crypt keeper holding on to power. For what? Biden clearly has dementia holding on to power. For what? McConnell had like, I, I think he had a transient ischemic stroke, a transient ischemic attack, standing at the podium and he just locked up. Dude has been a senator 
for seven terms. That means at the end of this term, he will have been a senator for 42 years. He's having strokes at the twilight of his life. He won't go to Florida and feed seagulls ice cream. No, no, no. Got to stay in power, man. The state of Kentucky needs me to hear. No, they don't, dude. Look at all of them. Schumer. Wait, Hillary's still kicking around, right? They won't go away. They have to age out and die. The problem is they've been so effective. The people that will replace them, I'll remind you by the graph I showed you, are clinically mentally ill. Like two out of five to, to, to three out of five people today in that demographic are mentally ill by either a doctor's declaration or their own. They believe absolute nonsense. Men can have babies. And I don't like to just keep kicking that issue, except like that's a real issue. That's a real issue. You can't have people that will look you in the face and say an absurd thing like a man can have a baby. And think you could have any rational, logical way to discuss things with them. It leads them to like that. If you're like, how can they possibly say that it's okay for a six foot two inch white dude to swim against, you know, five foot seven females and walk around with a schlong hanging out in a locker room with them? How can they? How like? Do you ever just think like, how do these people actually think this is okay? Well, once you've said a man can have a baby and a man can actually be a woman, once you've once you've said that and you've committed to it, how do you oppose the second thing? There's so much logical inconsistency there that you can't. And you can see it over and over again. I saw a thing today, some celebrity, I don't remember who it was, but was denying the election results of 2016 and then calling for Trump's head for denying the election results of 2020. No self-awareness. We now have the most self-obsessed and yet least self-aware state of humanity in the history of the United States. And I am not zeroing in on a specific demographic now. I'm talking straight across the board. Even the, the, the age groups that are the most sane, they are still, there's more of them that are self-absorbed and yet lack self-awareness than there's ever been. And all you have to do is look at what these people are saying and look at the inconsistent, like they literally say something the complete opposite of what they just promised to die for one paragraph ago. And when you point it out, all they do is shriek autistically at you and yell and say you're a patriarchal white supremacist. And we're supposed to have dialogue. We're supposed to have, they've made dialogue impossible. I remember telling my brother-in-law, who's a cop, this is prior to George Floyd. I remember telling him, you guys are protecting the scum among you. You are. He didn't like that, but I, it was the truth. I said, you're protecting them. There's no, I have not seen any cops come out and say this is clear. Like, I told him like five incidences, and he's a standard answer. I would need the full picture. Well, do you trust me to have investigated the full picture? Well, you, yes, I trust. Okay, well, this is what happened. Well, that's wrong. Where are the cops publicly stating it? And it was this bullshit about, you know, you take your own dirty laundry out, you don't expose it. Okay, and I said at that time, there needs to be a public discussion about abusive law enforcement practices in this country. It needs to be hashed out, and the so-called bad apples need to be pulled out of the barrel 
Because if you don't, no one's going to trust any of the apples. And there's people that are working very hard to make sure that discussion never happens. And if it goes long enough not happening, it will become impossible to have the discussion. And he kind of like, we get along. So don't don't think it was like an attack or anything. But he kind of gave that grin like, oh, that's your conspiracy bullshit again, Jack. Tell me that's not what happened. We can't have that discussion in society now. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's been made impossible. They're doing it with every major divide. They're creating a bifurcation so strong that both sides look at the other side and say, that motherfucker's not real, right? That motherfucker's not real. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you never have seen it, right? But basically, that person's not equal to me as a human. They're, why do you think we do name-calling? It dehumanizes the other party. And then the worst thing you can do, you know what's even worse than being a Nazi Republican or a libtard communist? You know what's even worse? Going, I am not getting into the car with either of you idiots. Because when you ask me to pick a side in this, it's like, oh, well, Bill here, he, he's driving a pickup. And he's done down like a case and a half of, of Michelobes. Okay. And, and you can get a ride with him on this windy ass road. Or Tommy over here, he's driving a sports car and he's done finished himself a leader of Jack Daniels. Pick a car to get into. Well, I don't think I'm getting either one of those cars. There was a lot of bullshit and defensive driving in high school. Right. With the family going off the thing, singing row, row, row your boat. If you remember those freaking scare tactic movies. The dude had two beers and he drove his whole family off a cliff for no reason. That's one of the most famous BS movies of the time. I wonder if anybody here saw and knows what I'm talking about. Or the one where the kid's disembodied and floating over his kid's coffin. This is the 80s and it was probably produced in the 70s. Uh, You know, he's like, why don't they hear me? Like, like. I, I know some of that was BS, but when a dude's that tore up, I'm calling him a cab or an Uber, and if I can't get him out of there, I'm definitely not getting in the car with him. That's my political choices today, right? That's my political choice today. This drunk or that drunk heading toward a cliff, and there ain't much hell of a difference when you go over the cliff. What do we do about it? Same thing as always. Build up your wealth, build up your independence, build up your freedom, and get the hell out of the cities. And I I don't know. To me, I look at the United States today, and I see parallels to what happened in Nazi Germany. And I definitely see parallels as to what is going on in South Africa right now. And I see major conflict along racial divides occurring. And that doesn't mean that everybody of those two races will divide. That means there's enough violence on both sides for it to be a problem for everybody. I see a moral decay. I see an economic decay. I see the loss of the U.S. influence in the world. I see people in the United States with power who probably won't want that, that will seek more foreign war as a means of holding on to power. And I only say that because historically it's what tyrants do when they're in danger of losing power. They start a war with somebody over there. Because nothing unites a country like that. But yet we do not have a fighting force capable of engaging in these wars. right? We need wars with little shitty countries like Afghanistan and Iraq to do this. But we've kind of ran. I just see it as being a huge problem, guys. 
Hunter is asking what's happening in South Africa. You missed it, Hunter. Earlier in the show, I had a video of about uh, 80,000 people in a stock, a soccer stadium, all saying, kill the boars, kill the farmers, chanting and jumping up and down, and the guy leading it, making a gun symbol with his hand. Bam, 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 kill the boars. The boars are the white people. That's what's going on in South Africa. I'm shocked your TV didn't tell you about this shit. If you doubt anything, go to the audio notes. If you're watching this live, it will be about 30 minutes from when I finish that the audio version will be up and every single thing I covered has a little blue thing next to it that says link and you can read it and you can look it up for yourself. Anyway, with that, if you like the show and the work that we do, remember you can always support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. No matter what you buy, if you just start your online shopping there, you will help us out in the work that we do. Uh, Item of the day today is back on sale again, the WEN, W-E-N, 2,000-watt inverter generator on a deal of the day. Uh, So I don't know how long it will stay knocked down, but it's at $339 for this little generator. Now, I would not use this generator as like we would call a prime mover, meaning if I had to rely on a generator every day and I wanted like a smaller, like 3,000, 2,000 watt generator, I'd look at something like a Honda for use for camping, for backup power, for charging up batteries on a solar array, whatever. This is a great little generator for that price. And if I can buy like four of them plus two parallel kits, for less than one EU 2000 Honda, yeah, I would go with this because you have redundancy just by having inventory. It's very uh, fuel efficient, and it's a very good generator with great reviews. And, yes, you can get two of them and a parallel kit, and you have two 2,000-watt generators or one 4,000-watt generator, 339 bucks shipped to your door. I think that's a hell of a deal. If you have a couple generators already, and you don't feel like you need another one, I wouldn't buy it. Um, but if you have, like, one generator, you're like, it would be good to have at least some level of a backup. Deals don't get much better than this one, so check it out. And, uh, again, remember, you can always support the show by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. With that, I'm wrapped up. Tomorrow will be an expert counsel Q&A show, so no live stream. I do have a few things starred here, so I'm going to try to go through some of them. Uh, but... I don't know if I can answer them all in the time that I have left. Comment, my friend's dad was a test pilot for the United States Air Force in Korea and NAM. He was pro-draft for the reason it would restrict gratuitous wars from hanging laundry. I do think that a society is less likely to root for war when the reality is that they or their children may have to fight it. There's a lesson from tribal history as to how wars were fought in tribal societies that explains this. There were no prolonged wars before civilization created cities of millions. They didn't exist. When we discovered agriculture and indentured servitude and slavery and tax systems and caste systems, uh, then we had long protracted war campaigns. In societies of a few hundred to a few thousand per tribe or group of tribes, There was no protracted warfare. Why? Because every man of fighting shape was expected to defend his tribe. So when there were conflicts, they were generally quick skirmishes 
sometimes a tribe would take take out uh, an aggression on another tribe and that other tribe would come back and like if that tribe lost like one or two guys after they had killed a couple of the other guys then it ended like okay that's how it works we went at them so they came at us we don't want to escalate this any further and as long as the dispute that started it was kind of done it stopped why because it involved everybody the women knew that their husbands or sons might not come back right and the, the 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 sons and husbands knew that they would have to go fight this war and even if they were part of a warrior culture you think a little bit about it before you just go get your ass killed and i think the draft would do that I, again it's not that i'm for it i'm saying this would be the net effect it'd be one of many effects uh the freak says correlation between massive increase in jabs in kids and current health of kids in their teens and 20s mental and physical health I think we can definitely see physical damage from these injections. The mental health graph I showed you involved none of it, though. It cut off in early 2020 before any of these jabs were being given, especially to kids. So it's not the cause. Now, might it make it worse going forward? Sure, sure. And the whole psyop of the COVIDs, really, yeah. But that's not the graph I showed you. 2008 to early, like like February 2020. Just saying. Hanging laundry, your opinion on using a few hawks along with goats to clear brush, also Barbados or other sheep like goats to clear shit brush without uh, crazy goat personality. I, I, it's not really germane to this show, hanging laundry. Um, I would just say that it takes more work to control hogs than you think it does. And if you plan on using electro fencing to put hogs in an area and let them clear it out. They'll do a great job for you, but you better train them to the fencing before you put them there. I don't have a lot of experience with sheep and goats, so I'm going to leave that one. And we have another question. It has nothing to do with today's episode. Best livestock for five acres in Colorado near the front range. It depends. What do you like to eat? What do you have for natural food sources? What is your water situation? How much management time? That's a, that's a, that's a hard thing to give you an answer to, but, you know, probably sheep would work, like a hair sheep would work really well in that situation as long as you have enough uh, grazing pasture for them, which is difficult in a very dry climate. Anarchy, he gave me a $7.77 super chat and EA Dad, Gen X's new slogan. I don't know what E-A-D-A-D is about, though. I would like to know. Oh, is that eat a dick? <laughs> I don't know. If you could come back and tell me what that's about, it would be interesting. The uh, Freak says, my son scored high on the Army entrance exam, but was disqualified due to two head surgeries in childhood. Are they going to draft him? You would think no. You would think no. Um, if he tried to join, and when he tried to join, he was rejected, he's probably considered unfit for service. But there's something that happens a lot of times when you get into a point where a military is desperate enough to engage in a draft, because let me tell you something about militaries. They don't really fancy drafts very much. They don't really like it. Um, in fact, there's actually a division that's historically in soldiers between volunteers and draftees. Where you would hear like a, a battle hardened soldier who's there by choice. So I don't want to be around these draftees. I don't trust these draftees. When you start drafting soldiers, you have more discipline problems. You have more disobedience problems.
it's bad for morale overall because people generally do not like to be forced into service. So a military that does this is by its own definition desperate for manpower. Okay? So a lot of times when we get into a draft society, things that would have prevented a volunteer from joining, well, we'll just lower standards a little bit. Oh, you're fat? Don't worry about it. By the time you get done with basic boy, you won't be like the fat thing is it's self-correcting, isn't it? Especially if it's like you're just overweight a little bit. Well, we'll just we'll just expand what overweight means. And we'll create classifications that you need to meet this weight requirement by the time you get out of your your AIT, as we call it in the Army. So you got basic and then your tech school. So you know what? You're going to be jogging your, your, your chubby little butt. You're going to be eating the three meals a day we give you. We're going to use fat buddy, fat buddy, skinny buddy technology. You know what fat buddy, skinny buddy was? You take the skinny guy and you pair him with a fat guy in basic. And you tell the skinny guy, you eat your food as fast as you can. And once you get done eating your food, you can take anything you want off your fat buddy's tray. So we'll fix the fat. So I think that they might lower standards for draftees. However, something like that, my gut would be, no, they wouldn't, because you're talking about a medical, definitive medical issue. Uh, one step closer, who's getting paid? So the Biden admin will outlaw gas appliances and generators. Electric generators, that's who. Who benefits? Who benefits? Who benefits by getting rid of gas stoves, right? Who, who, get, who benefits by getting rid of gas appliances? The people that make electric ones. You know who else benefits? A country hell-bent on installing sm a smart grid everywhere and telling you how much energy you can have. Anyway, I don't think that's really going to go anywhere. Uh, I think they're going to have a hard time getting that to stick. And I feel like it's much ado about a distraction. You thought I was going to say nothing, didn't you? Um, Ecomouse says, Jack, reflex bows for the wind can be made with PVC tubing in a pinch. I'll take your word for it. Uh, news that doesn't suck may be relevant. China has a requirement of a muddle school education. I think that's supposed to be middle. Uh, for the guards, we would call them guards. For the Muslim population, they are giving job training to. Okay. I don't know really how that fits what we're talking about. Uh, previous comment response to police IQ requirements. This is why I've asked people to start putting the word question in because that was in all caps. And I obviously started for no reason because I have no idea how to respond to that. Hanging laundry, a $2 super chat says, thanks for a great distillation and teaching. Uh, you're welcome, sir. Thanks for, um, for being here today. Anyway, looking back at the comments, I do not see anything else in the form of a question. So I think we'll wrap up there. And, uh, again, I appreciate all of you for turning up today. If you want to uh, provide feedback for a show, remember, you can email me just about anything. If you follow the procedure, you'll have a chance of getting on air. One, email it to jack at the survivalpodcast.com. If you can't figure out my email address right now, I pro you probably don't qualify to have it. Jack at the survivalpodcast.com. In the subject line, include TSPC as though it was a word in all caps. Is it an acronym? It stands for the survival podcast. It is how I get things and find them when they end up filtered into the spam folder. So TSBC in the subject line, and then whatever else you want in the subject line. Then make your point or ask your question in a single sentence first. 
then hit return with a paragraph break and then give me details or your link or whatever. If I can't immediately look at your email and say, oh, this is about blah, 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 then it's going to get deleted. And that's not because I'm a me big meanie. It's because I don't have the time. And I don't even mean like from my ego standpoint, like my time is too valuable. I mean, logistically, I do not have the time to spend more than about 10 seconds per legitimate email to determine whether I want to do something or not. I would not do anything all day long except read your emails. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you how to work the system that I set up to be worked. And I think that that's what, that's what you do when you're running a business and you're treating it like a business. You design the system to be worked a certain way so that you can be most efficient with it. So that's the efficiency formula to get through my email gateway and get on the show. And I do not have, I'll just say this now because people are new and coming here all the time. You know, I do not have, okay. I do not have a personal assistant for this. My wife's like my PA for booking guests and some other things, but all your email comes to me. There's not somebody in Istanbul reading it and deciding what I see. I do. I've committed to this for 15 years to try to look at every email that comes in as best I can. And I'm not saying I get it done all the time. I make a valiant effort. And that system is how I commit to doing it, at least for the people that will follow it. With that, I'll catch you tomorrow with another episode. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.